adversity causes some men to make excuses, and then it causes other men to make history. If you're not learning from your struggles, then you're not making any progress. If you're not making any progress, then you're getting worse at the end of the day. My favorite part about this is being able to impact these guys' lives in a positive way. You know, when we talk about being grateful, I think that's something we should ask ourselves every single day because sometimes it's easy to forget the things that we're truly, truly grateful for. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. For all of our loyal listeners, we thank you for jumping on with us again. And for our first-time listeners, every vet was once a rookie. We're happy you jumped on the development train. On this episode, we sit down with Diamond Hall, mental skills coordinator at Wright State. Diamond is a pioneer for mental coaching at the collegiate level. He's paving the way for a hybrid position in the game of baseball. Diamond excels at getting players at their, to their peak performance and improves their abilities to push through adversity. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Diamond Hall. Welcome back to the farm system. We're sitting down with Diamond Hall, mental skills coordinator for Wright State. Diamond, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to chat with us here at the farm system. I appreciate you guys having me on. How are you guys doing today? You're doing great, right man. There. Yeah, appreciate you jumping on. So, you know, a, a big reason that we had you jump on today is, you know, obviously the mental side of the game. There's, it's, it's such a big part of the game for one. And also, too, there's never this one size fit all approach. Uh, to any part of the game, and especially when it comes to the mental side of it and the people side of it, um, it's ever changing. It's ever growing. You know, the kids are constantly changing. The players are constantly changing. The coaches are constantly changing. So it's an ever growing process. And so that's why we want to have someone like you jump on with us. Absolutely. 100%. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, coaches, get right into it. Mental coaches and mental coordinators, they're kind of an unprecedented position in the game of baseball. Can you take us through your story about how you got to where you are today? I think it, you know, I would say it started in um, in high school when I was playing football um, my, my freshman year. And I didn't know I was going to be playing baseball until I had an injury. I went head, head first, uh, diving for a loose fumble. And uh, I had a head-on collision with the guy. And I ended up being temporarily paralyzed for uh, for a few hours, and uh, you know, those few hours, I thought that that was going to be the rest of my life. Um, but luckily, it was only temporary. And I went to every doctor around, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how can I play football? How can I play football? But it ended up being, you know, the doctors didn't clear me to play anymore. So um, after that, you know, I, I decided, you know, I got to play. I got to do something. I got to use my physical ability for something in order to impact other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, you know, I started playing baseball. And at first, I was terrible. I mean, it was bad. But mm-hmm. as I as I started to work at it every day, working at that craft, craft, chipping away at it every single day, I started getting better and better. At first, a lot of the coaches around around here in the Ohio area, they were like, ah, this guy's not going to be able to get to the next level because it's too late. I mean, this mm-hmm. is his junior year. He's starting to play this. Baseball is a game of skill. You know, you, you usually guys who make it to the next level have been playing since they were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of used that as internal motivation. Uh, you know, to get to the next level. And so, you know, one of the goals I set out for myself was to be, was to get drafted and become one of the best players ever play the game. Now, obviously that didn't happen, but one of my, one of my core philosophies is shoot for the moon and you'll be able to land amongst the stars. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I wouldn't have set that high of a goal, I wouldn't have got to where I got to in my career. Um, you know, I found myself playing on TV against LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, schools like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I was able to take that internal motivation and, and get to where I wanted to get to. But I think that the first book I read was Heads Up Baseball. And, um, you know, with baseball, it's, it's different than football and basketball. Like, it's a complete game of 
I mean, when when you hear that, when you hear the saying, the game is ninety percent mental, ten percent physical, you know, and I believe that's one hundred percent true because it's so many. Like you can be the best athlete in the world, you can be the best, most physically fit guy on the field, you can be a five-tool player, and none of it show up because you know your mind's not right. Your mind's not where it should be. You're not focusing on the right things in order to be successful in this game. So that was the first book I read, and from there it just took off. A bookshelf started growing, uh, full of leadership books and mental toughness books, mental game books. And after I got done playing this past year, you know, I connected with Coach Mercer here at Wright State, and he's big on the mental side of the game. And he wanted to create this position, and this has never been done before in the, in the history of NCAA baseball. So, you know, he's the pioneer of this mm-hmm. right here. So I'm just making sure every day I execute my role in the best way I can. It's an awesome story. So, so when it comes to, you know, it, it definitely everybody has their niche. Some guys are pitching guys. Some guys are infield guys. You know, you, you're, you're a mental game guy. And so what, what about it, you know, is it something that you think you ever just master and all of a sudden you know, or is it something that's ever growing? I mean, what about the mental game interests you? Everything about the mental game interests me. I think, you know, from my perspective, obviously, I want to say I believe it's the most important part of the game because, you know, it's not only – it's not only hitting, it's not only pitching, it's not only shooting, it's everything within the, within the game intertwined with your mind because without your mind, you can't do anything else. So I have, to, I have to be able to know literally everything from hitting to pitching, fielding every, every segment of the game and then understand the mentality and the different intricacies that go with each of those parts of the game, if that makes sense. For sure, and I, and I truly do. I truly do value the mental side of the game because I know how it affects guys' careers and their lives. I think today, absolutely. You know the the mental side of the game. It's it's always been a passion of mine as well. It led me to get my undergrad in psychology, as I know you did. What made you want yeah. to specialize as a mental coach versus you know like an assistant coach who emphasizes the mental side, or do you kind of see those titles as interchangeable? Well. When you put it that way, I think that, you know, if I was an assistant coach just emphasizing the mental side of the game, you know, that would be kind of what's been going on for the past, you know, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot of coaches who do believe in the mental side of the game, but they don't specialize in that side of the game. And they don't only talk about, you know, the mental side of the game. Usually, you know, you have a hitting coach who talks about the mental side of the game when it comes to hitting or a pitching coach that talks about the mental side of the game when it comes to pitching. But, well, college baseball, this is the first time this has ever been done where you have somebody talking about the mental side of the game of pitching, the mental side of the game of hitting, the mental side of the game of fielding, um, and, and different stuff outside of life too. So um, I think that having somebody on staff and there to emphasize the mental game constantly every single day on an individual basis or a group basis is really important. And do you think and you think that you're, you know, where you mentally are right now, is it somewhere that you've always been? Have you always had this mental, you know, again, before the books, before all this, before, you know, when you got, like you said, you had to go through that battle where you thought you were paralyzed. Were you mentally where you are now or is it something that's been developed over time or how, how did that how did that work with you personally? Oh, absolutely not. I was, I was nowhere close to where to where I'm at right now. I think, uh, you know, my personal belief is everybody starts off as a clean slate. Um, so for me being able to have the experiences that I had, you know, up until this point, um, being able to study the mental side of the game and at the same time being able to apply the mental side of the game to my game, that's what got me to where I am now. And, you know, I still don't think that I'm where I, you know, where I will be you know, five years from now. I think it's going to be a continuous growth process, uh, you know, my whole life. I don't think there's ever going to be a point to where, I'll truly be able to master understanding the mental side of the game, so to say. And I don't think any, any baseball player will be able to, you know, truly master the mental side of the game. But I do think that you should take a mastery approach to those things. If you take a mastery approach, then you'll be able to reach your highest level of potential possible. That's a good point, too, because I think it's hard to – it's not like a one-size-fits-all thing. You know, it's kind of a what works for him, what works for him, and what, what cues – allow him to overcome failure. And I know that's a big part of your passion with the mental side. What's your general mindset or approach to overcoming adversity that comes with the game of baseball? I think that, you know, adversity causes some men to make excuses and then it causes other men to make history. I think without adversity, a growth would not exist. 
it's, it's the best teaching tool on the path to excellence, in my personal opinion. I think that, you know, often we look at life as like, oh, man, why is this happening to me? You know, when something bad happens, to, you know, you're on the field or off the field, whichever one it is. But once we're able to get to a point to where we understand that everything that is happening is for us, that's when we begin to take that leap um, of unlocking our potential. Because a lot of people look at, you know, a lot of people look at things in a, from a perspective of, you know, why is this happening to me versus you know, this is happening for me. Sure. So, yeah, go ahead and, and, and unpack that a little bit. What, what do you, when you switch your mindset there that this is happening for me, let's say, again, let's say I'm 0 for 9, right? I've struck out nine times. How does a player take that mindset of this is happening for me, this adversity is happening to me, and change that to a positive thing? So he has to be able to learn. He has to have a, a, a learning mindset, being able to learn from those, those at-bats, those 0 for 9 at-bats, what's going on. Am I hitting line drives straight to everybody and then I'm 0 for 9? Or am I swinging and am I missing and my mechanics are off and I got to go back to the, to the drawing board and the kids? And being able to be, to have that high level of self-awareness and understand what you have to work on and understand how to get the information and, and really read the results and understand why you're getting these results, I think that's the most important piece to adversity because a lot of times we just look at the stat sheets. You know, mm-hmm. as as players. Now, on the on the other side of the table, you know that's all that's looked at most of the time. Mm-hmm. But as a player, you know, if you're only looking at stats every day, like that can hurt you tremendously, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's not something you fully can control. It's something that you can influence, but it's not something that you can fully control. So once you understand, you know, how to read the stat sheet, understanding what you're doing, are you doing the right things, and just not getting the results that you want, or do you need to change your process? Um, in order to get the results you, that you want, I think that's a big um, that's big to be able to do as a player, and that comes with maturity. That comes with a lot of self awareness. That comes with a lot of understanding of yourself as a player, and understanding the game. Yeah, and I think that that you know that's a great point, um, and definitely something that me and Bo talk about quite often. You know, looking back, especially having I think perspective as you're kind of explaining there is the perspective of seeing it from a different angle and seeing it again. Like obviously everybody has a different perspective when they look back on their playing career, but it's just interesting um, how you know someone like you that's that's there and has this new position at at that level is can how does how do you shape that. Uh, mindset into players that are, are are right now and getting the perspective that, you know, as normal coaches do of things they look back towards and how do they get that mindset from the perspective that you have now that you're done playing to the players that they are now? What are, what are some things and some techniques that you're using right now to get some guys that perspective that you have now? At the end of the day, it's a matter, it's a matter of me chipping away at those things because you can tell, uh, you can tell somebody something once and then they might, they might hear you might think it's good then, but then they forget to apply it. So it's really a matter of being able to continuously reinforce these things over and over again when they need them and even sometimes when they don't need them because those are the times where they'll take in that information. So being able to really understand and have a feel from my standpoint of when to do those things, when to talk to a guy, you know, when to let them know these, these kind of things is really important. You know, when, when I was a player early on in my career, I always wanted like a mechanical fix. And I didn't really want to talk right. about mental side. Um, right. What cha- what challenges have you encountered with your players there this year, as far as saying this is important to your success and this is what we need to get down to? Actually, there hasn't been really um, really that many issues with it, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Now, in the past, with with some pro guys that had, because you know sometimes you know especially as a hitter, we can think everything is mechanical. Everything is mechanical. But at the end of the day, you have to get to a point where you're comfortable enough with your swing in order to start working on other things. Um, and, you know, every time you do have a bad AB, it's not necessarily your your mechanics that's, you know, that's, that's causing you to, you know, have a bad at-bat. Most of the time it's play discipline. When you listen to the best hitters talk about hitting, they're talking about play discipline, which is the mental side of the game. And that's what you have to be able to work on in practice. That's what you have to be able to, uh, be able to master at the end of the day in order to maximize your swing, if that makes sense. Well, from your perspective too, now especially working with players every single day, what would you what would you say is the number one thing that holds most players back from getting to the next level? Hmm. Getting to the next level, I would probably 
I would probably have to say handling your emotions in a professional-like way because when you think about, uh, you know, when scouts come to watch these guys, and this is at any level, by the way, when scouts come to watch you, first of all, they're there because they know you're a good player. Second of all, they want to see you. They want to see you fail sometimes. They want to see how you handle failure. And I think a lot of players don't understand that. I've seen some of my old teammates get crossed off of the list because they didn't, you know, they didn't handle failure like a professional. And, you know, the way scouts look at that is, is, you know, if this guy can't handle failure right now, if he can't handle failure after that AD, then how is he going to be able to handle failure in front of 5,000 fans when he makes it to the, you know, when he gets to the next level? So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I've seen. And that's what it usually boils down to because that's one of the things that you can see. That's one of the things that people in the stands can see. You know, they don't have to be on the team to see that you're losing, uh, losing control of your emotions. And that's one of the things that um, is also important to their performance, too, because if you're able to stay in control of your emotions at all times, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of, you know, how you're doing that day so far, then you give yourself a better chance to succeed at the end of the day because if you lose control of your emotions and you're not doing well, now, you know, those emotions may roll over into the next pitch that you throw if you're a pitcher. The next, uh, you know, the next pitch that's thrown if you're a hitter. It may roll over into your next A-B. If you just had a bad A-B, you're last at that. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've seen. And, and also being able to, like we just talked about, not evaluate, you know, yourself based on your soul statistics. Uh, again, I had a pro guy this past summer. Um, he called me. He told me, he said, I want to I be hitting what did he say, 280 by then the next month. I told him, all right, well, are you looking at your stats every day right now? Like, how do you know that's what you want to be hitting? He said, yeah, I'm looking at it every night. It's stressing me out, blah, blah, blah. I said, the first step you're going to have to take, you're going to have to stop looking at your stats every night because that's just going to continue to stress you out. You can't control your stats at the end of the day. All you can control is your process. All you can control is your routine. All you can control is how well you're seeing the baseball. You know the simple things. And once he was able to get away from that, he called me a month later and was like, bro, guess what I'm hitting? I said, what, 280? Said, yeah. And he ended up hitting, I think, uh, 290 at the end of the last season. So, But it's, sometimes it's just the small things like that that you have to know to say to a guy. You have to know to look for because it's not always something big. It's always, I mean, some, it's not always something big. Most of the time it's something extremely small that makes a big difference. So sure. things like that are extremely important. And that's, again, that's for anybody at any level. One thing that I find curious is when coaches become head coaches or uh, associate head coaches, or in your case, a mental coach with your background as far as being a position player, how have you worked to gain credibility with the pitching staff there at Wright State? And how does your message change dealing with hitters or pitchers? In order to gain credibility, I mean, I just, you know, I just, gave these guys the best information that I had. And usually, you know, it's some really good stuff for them because I understand the game to a T. Um, I've studied this game inside and out. And I've, I've put myself in situations where I've had to think like a pitcher. That's why I was playing. So just giving them the best information possible. And, they, you know, they love they love everything we do. Well, what was your second question? How does your message kind of change when you're dealing with hitters or, or, or pitchers? Oh, it changes completely because – they're two different beasts. You know, mm-hmm. pitchers, when you think about uh, you think about a starter, you know, it's a guy that sees the field every every five or six days. When you talk about hitters, you know, they see the field every day. The time in between, let's say, for a pitcher, uh, for his next performance, like that's, that's a long time. So you have to know um, the things that you want to be thinking about, the things that you want to be focusing on, and different things you can be doing with the mental side of the game in between that start, whether it's visualization, whether it's working on your breathing, whether it's keeping your journal, whether it's just going through your daily routine, making sure you're staying on track and staying disciplined with the things that make you successful at the end of the day. Um, but they're just two completely different beasts. So the messages do change uh, quite a bit when I'm talking to the to the hitters and then when I'm talking to the pitchers. And then I, I got a twofold question here for you too. So let's, you know, what what's your definition of mental toughness? And another part of this question, and how do we get better at pushing through adversity? I think my definition of mental toughness would have to be probably persistency, the ability to, to face adversity. So this might answer both of your questions at once, but the ability to, to face adversity and to keep picking ourselves back up and going back to the process that allows us to be successful. 
So I think that's easy to get away from, especially when we're not doing well and we are facing adversity. Um, but one of the things that – one of the equations I like to talk about, you guys have probably heard E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. So there's always going to be an event that happens, and then there's always going to be a choice to respond in a positive way or a negative way, and that's going to dictate the outcome. I like to take it a step further and say E plus T equals O. So there's always going to be an event, and then there's always going to be a perspective that you have a choice to make. There's always going to be a positive perspective to take on or a negative perspective to take on So that's up to you. And then after you take that positive or negative perspective, that's going to dictate your outcome. I think it's a matter of understanding that without, without adversity, we wouldn't be able to grow. Because in order to grow, we have to be able to experience things. We have to be able to experience negative things in order to appreciate the positive things in life and baseball. So when we look at things that way, and and that's way easier said than done. Keep in mind, I've trained myself to think this way, and that's what everybody has to do. They have to, you have to train yourself, um, you know, to think like this. And I think that once we're able to do that, once we're able to sit down and be like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to get better at. Now I lay out the now I lay out the the itinerary, the the blueprint for you, and then you go off of that. I think also we have to understand that we're in a constant state of learning. Like if you're not in the midst of struggle, then you can't possibly be getting stronger. If you're if you're not learning from your struggles, then you're not making any progress. If you're not making any progress, then you're getting worse at the end of the day. And then going back to E plus P equals O, when you have a bad day at the plate or on the mound, you have to treat that as a learning day. We already kind of touched on this. You have to treat your bad days as learning days. You have to really and this is what we often do. We have a bad day as players. <clears throat> All right, short-term memory. Short-term memory. All right, I'm going to forget about it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. No, you have to be able to really sit down and take 10 to 20 minutes to evaluate what you did wrong and how you're going to improve on the, those things the next time. That's what most people forget to do. Everybody always understands that, okay, I did that. All right, but did you take in the information? Did you take in the information and learn from that information? Because the short-term memory thing, that's why I really sometimes I don't like when coaches talk about having short-term memory. Because you do want to have a short-term memory to an extent, but you want to be able to get the information and understand why this happened. And once you understand why this happened, then you can go to the how. How do I change it? I think all those things intertwine with each other and also being able to strive for persistency instead of perfection. One of the things that that I used to be guilty of doing while I was playing. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be a perfect baseball player. I wanted to go five for five every single day. But that's not possible in this game. That's not possible in life either. Mm-hmm. But we have to strive to be persistent. And once we do that, then we start to learn from our mistakes, learn from our bad days, and we're able to make tremendous, tremendous leaps in the growth process. I'm happy you said I'm happy you said that too because it, it kind of remind me of one uh, a quote that I heard John Maxwell uh, say one time and is you know everybody always thinks that experience is the best teacher um, but he says that evaluated experience is the best teacher and it connects with exactly Ooh. what you're saying you know not just not just experiencing things but yeah it's great that you got through it but what you learn from it and you know and it, it just because you got through something you know again which everybody agrees that you have to get through it but a lot of people just like you said don't evaluate what they went through and don't learn from it so that again, they don't have to go through it again. <laughs> like you, you were just talking about. So that's what, that's what when Maxwell was talking about that, that's what made me connect when you were talking. Absolutely. And another thing that makes me think about is, you know, when you talk about experience, you know, you can also kind of say, you know, take that leap of growth um, when it comes to learning from other people's experiences, even if you're not experiencing that, but you see them experience it and you see how they handle it you got to be able to put yourself in that situation and say, okay, this is what I would have did differently. And now you're not having to go through that trial and error process. It's like a cheat code kind of. Like that's mm-hmm. the cheat sheet right there, watching everybody else struggle, watching everybody else become successful, and then learning what you would do in those same situations and being able to put yourself in those situations and, you know, nitpick what I would have did here, what I would have did there. And I, I would really gear that towards freshmen, freshmen who are on college baseball staff, College baseball teams who aren't playing, maybe a red shirt, you got to be able to use that red shirt as a, mm-hmm. as a huge learning opportunity because once you're in the game, 
once you're playing every day, it's tough to step back, like we're talking about right now and learn from these experiences. But when you're not playing, like, you need to be able to put yourself in those situations uh, from a mental standpoint and nitpick the things that you would do differently and what do you think would make you successful in this situation, this situation, this situation? That's a that's a great point. That's one thing when I was playing at Utah Valley, that, that's one thing that our coach always had us do was evaluate each other's experiences, but then also see who we want to be like. You know, if you like Miguel Cabrera, Josh Donaldson, see how they handled that failure and learn how to implement that into your own life because – like you mentioned, a lot of these things can translate into our life. And if we can really examine other people's experience and how they handle failure, I think it'll, one, help us evaluate, and two, help us make adjustments to handle failure in the future. Absolutely. I think it's really important. So Absolutely. I agree 100%. Like we mentioned, your position at Wright State's kind of unprecedented. Can you kind of take us through what your day looks like as the mental skills coordinator? Oh, it's different. Um, it's different every day. Some days I'll talk to the hitters. Some days I'll talk to the pitchers as a group for about 10 to 30, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, it's usually, uh, you know, once once a week or once every other week. Um, and then every day, it's it's everything is on an individual basis. I'm customizing things for guys, whether it's a visualization program, whether it's a breathing program, whether it's a, a handling adversity program. I'm just trying to customize everything for each of our individual guys because when you think about the mental side of the game, like you guys have already touched on, it's not it's not one size fits all and it never will be. There may be there may be the simplest thing that works for this guy, but there's another guy who has to go really, really in depth with that same concept in order for it to click with him, in order for him to be able to apply it in the game. So it's really a matter of me knowing the guys and um, understanding what, what they need, and that usually just comes from me listening. I just listen because they'll tell you. And I think that's with all coaches, you know, when, you, when, you're, able to, when you're able to use your ears. <laughs> you, know, God, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth, two eyes, right? You know, you, you look and you listen. When you're able to use your ears and really listen, people give you what they, what they need and what they, what they want. So... I think that's a big part of of my position too. Is not always wanting to give, 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 but listening, hearing what he needs, and you know me being able to bounce ideas off of off of each other, back and forth, and then giving him the best information possible. And that's what it's about at the end of the day. Um, and some days, you know, I have a guy text me, "Hey, can we meet at the field as a uh, before practice or before the game?" We do some visualization here. We do some visualization there. Different things, man. It really, really varies. It's a really uh, dynamic, dynamic role because it's so open and so free to use, so to say. And I can, I can just imagine too. I mean, there's obviously, you know, let's say, let's say you're a pitching coach at a at a field like that. You know, you're walking around and you're asking each one of your players, you know, how do you feel today? You know, what what what's going on? You know, like how's your arm feel? Those things like that. I mean, the mental side is even more complex than just you know. How does it feel today? You know, it's, I, I can imagine just the walking around, just like, you know, you know, how do you, how do you feel today mentally? Where are you at? You know, I, I know you had a tough game yesterday. What, you know, what are some thoughts you've been thinking through? What are, um, you know, what are some ways that you're pushing through that? Or again, I know there's obviously, you know, guys on intro, you know, that personal level where, you know, again, maybe they got some things going on at home personally that they're battling through or, and just to have you there as a resource or someone to bounce things off like that off of and um, sometimes maybe again a different perspective from normal coaches and someone that really values the mental side I could see how that could be a great resource for players um, especially now in this day and age as well with having social media and all those other things always constantly around them absolutely and then my favorite part about this is being able to impact these guys' lives in a positive way and you know th- these guys are these guys are workers they're learners um, they're always looking to grow, so they use me to the best of their ability. When I tell you, they they really they really use it to the best of their ability. They do because they're willing to learn, as opposed to you know, um, I've never worked in pro ball, but you know I can see this happening in a pro ball. You know, a forty year old veteran who's been playing forever, and you introduce the middle game to him, he might be like, Ah, I'm good, I don't need that, you know. But these guys, these guys are are guys who are looking to get to the next level and understand that the guys at the next level have have taken a mastery approach with the mental side of the game. I mean, you hear them talking about it in interviews all the time. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, you'll see some of the 
you know, some of the things that I've posted, some of the videos that I've posted of other players talking about the mental side of the game and how important it is to them. So these guys understand that they're they're doing everything that they can in order to maximize um, on this role and the information I have stored in my mind. And, you know, our whole coaching staff, our whole coaching staff is great. So from the get-go, they were they were bought into the mental side of the game, and um, they reemphasize the same things that I talk about which allows our players to see how important it is. And they reemphasize things to each other and the whole, you know, it's kinda like a kinda like a, a tree, so to say. You know, it starts at the top and then it goes down to the next guy, then the next guy, then the next guy. Um and it's really it's a really great opportunity to be able to be able to work with these guys every single day. So I, I know the mind, and like you said, there's not that one size fits all and so you're constantly gotta be learning and progressing yourself. What are some daily resources that you use to progress your own mental game and continue to have something to offer that your players? To progress my own mental game, um, that's always a that's always a growth process, and I feel like it always will be. But um, I, I make sure that I'm always staying on top of uh, you know my bookshelf, going through you know different books that I've read, uh, reading them a second time, seeing if they can apply to this guy, apply to this guy. I read a lot of leadership books, too. You talked about John C. Maxwell earlier. My favorite leadership book is probably 360-degree leadership uh, by him. And I try to, you know, give our guys that information, too. Because at the end of the day, that's I mean, that's the mental game as well. Leadership, discipline, all those things that you talk about are all, are all part of the mental game. But that is probably the most important way to, uh, to progress, I would say. Outside of outside of being on staff at the right state is, is self education, man. That's the most important tool that I've that I've learned that you've learned to utilize. It does come to the mental side of the game. That's huge. Like you mentioned earlier, you kind of have a large Twitter following. Seems like every video you post gets thousands of views. How important has networking and social media been to your journey and success? It's been pretty important. I would say that. You know, I didn't know that it was going to happen. I didn't know that social media was going to blow up like this. I mean, you know, every day, you know, I get a lot of new inboxes and DMs on Instagram and Twitter. And I've set aside on my, you know, on my daily calendar to be able to set aside 30 minutes to, you know, to answer, you know, every single one. And that's my goal is to go back through and answer, answer every single message that I've ever gotten because I feel like it's important, you know, you know, with this position and this role and this is what I want to do, um, I have to be able to to reach out to people who have reached out to me. And, my, you know, I feel like my purpose, my purpose is to impact as many people's lives in a positive way. Um, so, you know, that just goes into, you know, everything I'm able to do. And it has helped with the networking as well because, you know, you, you know, you know meet people in person, but you, you do meet people through social media and it's, Sounds interesting, but I mean, it's like developing relationships. At the end of the day, you develop people, you develop relationships through social media, and then you know you you put out good content, something simple, something short, quick, and sweet that um that people will be able to relate to, and they'll be able to understand, and they'll be able to take uh, take something from and apply it to their lives right now. That's that's the goal uh, with my social media is just to continue impacting people through social media while at the same time in person I'm impacting these guys here. I just got to continue to to put out good good messages, and I appreciate you guys for being able to do the same and being able to um, being able to help spread the messages. That always helps when people spread uh, when people spread the tweets and you know spread the positive the positive vibes and positive messages that I put on Twitter. So, well, you're killing it. So, you better keep it going. <laughs> I think a big, I think, I think a big draw to not only, I, I think it's really pulls from it, especially to now I can, I can see the connection of you with uh, John Maxwell. I mean, obviously with John Maxwell, a lot of the things he's talking about in leadership, a big part of his things. And I, I, I have like a library of his books over here. So maybe one day me and you, we, I'm sure you have a library too. So, um, but no, his, uh, a big thing that Maxwell talks about is just with leadership is just the optimism and the the positive reinforcements and and obviously as a leader just uh, just embodying uh, what you want your players to be and what you want them to embrace and so um, I think that's a big part of it uh, just having someone that that understands those qualities not only as a as a mental coach but also as a leader I think you know how I guess my question would be to you on that way is how important do you think leadership is and and with coaches and 
um, how they're talking and how they're influencing their players. How important do you think that is to the mental game of a player? Oh man, I think it's that's extremely important because you got to remember, let's say you say you're a head coach of a uh, of a baseball program anywhere in the country, you got to look at it as like a, a family tree. Maybe you're the you're the you're the father and the mother of the family. So everybody's going to come to you for the end-all, be-all answers. And if you're not handling yourself in the best way uh, that you possibly can be, then your players probably won't handle their, themselves the best way they possibly can. So you have to be able to set standards for yourself first, set standards for yourself first, and then you follow those standards, and then everybody else follows, period, in the story. That's just how leadership works. And you know, when you talk about John Maxwell, you know, one of the one of my favorite things that I think this was him, was it him? This may not be him. But the the biggest thing that that I think when it comes to being the, the top guy is composure. Being able to keep your composure in all situations. When you look at the best head coaches to ever do anything, not only in baseball, but in other sports, too, you got Bill Belichick, you got Tony Dungy, you got Phil Jackson, guys of that of that nature, they're always composed and level. Mm-hmm. And when you see the best players to ever play any game, you know, Tom Brady, Derek Jeter, Mike Trout, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, they're always composed. They're always level. Now, every once in a while, all of these guys probably lose their cool, but it's every once in a while. It's not every single day. It's not every single game. It's not every single practice. And sometimes they may even use, you know, losing control of their emotions as a strategy in order to get their message across. Mm-hmm. But that's probably the biggest thing that I think that most coaches may not even realize that affects everybody else, especially in baseball, especially in the dugouts. Um, or if you're on third base or if you're coaching first base, the third base coach loses his cool because you struck out. Now the guy who just struck out, he's probably going to go back in the dugout and lose his cool and throw his stuff. You know, it, it just trickles down. And I think as a leader, you have to be able to be extremely self-aware, more self-aware than anybody else. And that's why every single day I try to handle myself, you know, how we want our guys to handle themselves. But that's, that's how I think um, every coach should take take a master approach to leadership yeah. and, and they should read all of john c maxwell's leadership books <laughs> agreed um that's a great point i mean i think a groups is, is only as good as its leader like you mentioned touching on that composure and kind of keeping your cool do you guys do exercises or self-evaluations as a coaching staff or do you know the 10 to 15 minute meetings as well on the mental side or is it kind of all individual stuff so usually um, so our, our, our head guy is pretty big on the left side of the game, and he's really big on problem solving and understanding, um, you know, how he can get better, how our staff can get better. And we usually usually have a meeting um, every Monday to get everybody on the same page. So that's probably the only thing that we've done as far as the coaching staff. But I do, I do see where you're going with this, and I do think that will be beneficial to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I love that you touched on that because one thing I talk to a lot of our players about is you'll see it too, especially especially when you have a big influence on your team. Um, uh, my shortstop always does that all the time. He'll make an error or something, and he'll look over at me, and I make it a precedent that I'm always real calm when I look at him, and or, or how you know not only you know I always tell them body language doesn't like whisper; it screams. So um, when I, I, I tell them, you know, when they're looking over at me in the dugout or they're, they're, if they look over at me and I look worried or if they look over at me or I look anxious or I'm mad or whatever, that's, again, putting extra pressure on top of the situation. And also, too, understanding that I have a big influence on them, especially, you know, any coach is, you know, a lot of times they look up, you look up to your coaches as, you know, father figures or, you know, or, or just role models. And, and so constantly, you know, uh, one thing I, I took from when I was a regional manager is I, I used to tell, I mean, Bo, I've talked about this a couple of times is as a leader, they'll do, they'll do half of what you do right. And a hundred percent of what you do wrong. And so I, I always keep that in mind is that I constantly need to evaluate not only my body language, uh, but how I talk, my tone of voice, um, you know, again, what emotions that I'm letting out my composure, um, you know, just the other day, I have no problem admitting it just the other day, 
we were running the bases terribly the entire day. Um, and, you know, we got a big situation. One of our guys get, uh, gets picked off and I was at third base and, um, you know, I, same thing. I, I threw my helmet, my helmet down at third base. And I just said, Joey, you know, like the same thing, just evaluating myself. Like you can't ask them to do things you're, you know, just as you're getting, you know, you're getting worked up, they're going to get worked up. And, you know, again, and, and, evaluating that like you're talking about evaluating that experience understanding that i need to get better at my composure understanding that i need to get better at you know how i hold myself in these tested situations just like i'm asking them to so what do you what are some ways that you help players relax and perform when it comes to high pressure situations i think the biggest thing when it comes to high pressure situations and relaxing is focusing on their breathing conscious breathing is the best breathing and what that does is a few things that allows you to that allows your body to relax when you watch big league hitters, so to say, I'll, I'll go from a hitter standpoint. When you watch big league hitters, most of them, excuse me, most of them are always taking really effortless swings. So the ability to be able to relax your body before you step in the box and be able to relax your body while you're in the box, the goal is for you to be able to take effortless swings. And a lot of the, a lot of times I see guys take a lot of, um, you know, this is not only our guys, this is everybody in baseball, you know, teams we play, um, you know, pro guys that I watch, it's easy to overswing, which means that there's tension within your body that's not helping you perform well. So we have to be able to release that tension. You have to, and that's it's really tough. It's easier said than done. You have to be able to have a high level of self-awareness um, between each pitch and understand, okay, I, I overswung right there. Let me bring it. Let me bring it down from 100% to 90%. You know, let me bring it down from 90% to 80%, and then you find where, you know, that level of that level of relaxation, that level of um, of effortlessness that works best for you because, again, everybody's different. There's not one size that fits all. Another thing your breathing does, it allows you to come back into the present moment. And when you talk about competing one pitch at a time, um, your breath allows you to – it gives you something to focus on and distract you from thinking about things that happened in the past and thinking about what's going to happen in the future. So it really, it really kills a lot of birds with one stone. Um, and you have to understand the purpose that you want to use breathing for when it comes to pressure situations. The ability to understand that, okay, this is the time that, you know, my breathing is really going to come in handy. Now, that doesn't mean that you only focus on your breathing when you get in high-pressure situations because if you do that, it's too late. So you have to be able to focus on your breathing every single A-B or between every single pitch. It doesn't have to be a huge breath to where everybody sees it. It can be completely unnoticeable. But when you focus on your breathing, that allows you to, you know, to do those things that we just talked about. And then you'll, you'll get in a high-pressure situation, and you're still focusing on your breathing. Now you're in a state of ultimate relaxation, and you're treating this situation, that high-pressure situation, just like it's a normal situation, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because you're doing the same thing. I think, you know, back to what you guys asked me earlier, you know, one of the things that I do see guys doing that hurts them a lot is, you know, especially with other teams, guys will lose control of their emotions and then they'll try to focus on their breathing. But then their breathing doesn't do anything because they haven't been breathing all day. Not, they haven't been doing the same things over and over every pitch. So I think that's extremely important. And when you talk about you talk about pressure, I think that, um, you know, pressure at the end of the day, pressure is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for baseball players. You know, we have to be able to understand that the pressure we are under every single day, somebody else would die for. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is not in your position, and they're dying to be in your position, but they don't have the tools to be in your position. They don't have the talent to be in your position. They don't have the skill set to be in your position. So we have to understand that pressure is a privilege, man. And then pressure also, help pressure there would be no diamonds. You know, pressure busts pipes or creates diamonds. So the next time, you know, I mean, even for you guys and myself and anybody listening, the next time you're in a situation and you're uncomfortable or, or it's a pressure situation, keep in mind, without pressure, there's no success. Without pressure, there's no diamond. We have to learn to persevere under pressure and be persistent with our process under pressure. Everybody has their own process. Everybody has a set of things that works best for them, whether it's a hitter, whether it's a pitcher, whether, whether it's a fielder, whether it's a coach. And we have to remember the processes that allow us to be successful and then use those when we are in high-pressure situations. 
last thing mm-hmm. I talk about with pressure is we have to be able to also prepare for pressure situations. So you have to be able to either visualize yourself in pressure situations or during practice you have to be able to create game-like pressure situations. I'll tell you one thing that our, that our, that our pitching coach does, and he's, he's awesome. He's awesome with our guys. Um, you know, in the fall, he would have them doing competition bullpens. And I think that was the one of the most genius things I've ever seen a pitching coach do because now these two guys, so we got two, we got two bullpen mounts. These two guys are on the mound, and they're battling back and forth, going one at a time, and that's competition. And that's one of the hardest things to create in practice because, you know, practice is just not like games. But any way you can, you can come up with, any way you can be creative and come up with different ideas in order to create some kind of, you know, high-level competition, that's going to be beneficial to your guys. So I think that being able to practice and being able to prepare for pressure is also huge. Touching on breathing, I think that's when I understood the importance of breathing and how it impacted my performances when I really started to take off. It, it didn't, it allowed me to slow the game down, but it also allowed me to like stay in the moment. I think some people get so caught up in those high pressure mm-hmm. situations and the next thing you know, it's over, you know, cause you're, you're, you're not exactly. slowing the game down and you're not giving yourself the opportunity of, uh, for success. And you know, it, you as a mental health coach or a mental coach, when you examine preparation and success, how important is having a routine? I think routines are really important because it's like a first, in order to create a routine, you have to be, your your self-awareness has to be really, really high. You have to know what works best for you. You have to know why it works best for you. And then you're able to create that routine sheet, um, whether it's in-game routines, whether it's pre-game routines, whether it's post-game routines, but routines are important. I mean, every um, in, every at, in every facet of life, in every facet of baseball, without routines, you know, and to me, when I when I think about routines, I, I really, honestly, I, I call that preparation because it is. It's not superstition. And I think a lot of people, when they hear routines, they, you know, they subconsciously think about superstition as well, but it's not superstition at all. These are things that you're putting on paper that you need to do, whether it's stretching, whether it's, you know, doing this for this long, whether it's doing this for this long, and you have a purpose behind each one as to why you're doing it and why it works for you. So I think routines are extremely important, especially for pitchers on off days and hitters every single day when they're in the cage, when they're taking BP, you know, you have to have a routine. And then you even have uh, pre-pitch routines that hitters like, that pitchers like. So the routines, you know, those are, those are important on every facet of the game, so to say. But at the same time, we got to keep in mind that, you know, a pre-pitch routine you know, might not work for this guy. You know, a pregame routine might not work for this guy. A uh, postgame routine might not work for this guy. Uh, you know, so it's a matter of, again, knowing your players and knowing what works best for them. But at the end of the day, you know, these things that we talk about, if if I had the whole team do them, right, if I didn't individualize anything, you know, different guys would like everything and different guys you know, would like certain things and different guys would like, would like maybe maybe just a few things. But the point being is that I think we need to individualize everything as much as possible and get our our players, whether it's high school, college, pro guys, pro guys are really good at this, but the college and high school guys to really understand themselves and, and know what works for them and why it works for them and why they want to do it and why they need to do it at the end of the day. That's when you get um, the importance of routines. So if you were, you know, if you were to go back to you when you were playing in high school and you could travel through time and give yourself some advice, what would be, what would you tell yourself? Uh, how many years, how many years are we going back? So if all, let's say we went back to, again, when you first switched over, when you first, actually, no, I want to go back to when you thought you were paralyzed and you can come to yourself in that moment when you, you know, you were paralyzed for that time. What are, what is some advice that you would tell yourself uh, right then? Um, to appreciate every moment, whether it's whether it's on the baseball field, whether it's on the football field, whether it's on the soccer field, whether it's whether it's in the coach's office, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's um, you know in the dorm room with your teammates, whether it's at home with your family, whether it's you know game tied bases loaded and you're up to bat, whether it's practice, whether you're playing against a team you don't want to play against, 
to appreciate every single moment because you never know when you're not going to have anything at all anymore. You never know when the game's going to say, hey, you're done playing. You never know when, you know, there's another plan for you and they have to do something else and you don't get to do what you thought you loved to do. So to be able to appreciate and be grateful for every single moment. And you hear, you know, you hear a lot of people um a lot of people saying this, but it's really tough to really do that. Mm-hmm. But that's what I would tell myself um, at that moment in time is to appreciate every moment because you never know when things are going to be over. You know, you saying that, it kind of brings back the memories of when Joey and I had made that World Series run at Sterling. Our saying was always enjoy the moment, and it first kind of started as a joke, and I think it really brought our team together to enjoy the moment because a lot of us are seniors and, and we're on our way out. And I think that's huge because, you know, the memories I look back on were, were those memories where I, I slowed down and just enjoyed being with the guys a lot on the field and a lot off the field as I'm sure that, that you two could attest to as well. And I, I, th- I think that's great advice for anybody listening is to really cherish those experiences because one day you're going to be done and, and look back and say, man, I wish I would have. Yeah. And then Absolutely. I remember, I remember it's, it's actually as, you know, as, as you were talking to, I, I remembered Bo, the same thing. I, I jumped back to the World Series and I remember when you came into the dugout and I know you know what conversation I'm talking about. And when you came to me and you were frustrated because you haven't been hitting and um, you're in the World Series and you're putting all this pressure on yourself. And I remember, you know, again, you were saying the same things that, you know, me saying the same things that you would have said to me in that moment. But I was seeing you guys out there, World Series, like you guys have this great opportunity and um, I guess I was more in a mindset of, of just being thankful um, that, that we're going to even get that opportunity. And I remember talking to you about that and just saying, man, like it's a, it just like, just like uh, David just said, just like, just so appreciative to enjoy where you are. And that pressure is a privilege. And I remember having that conversation with you, like, man, dude, you're here, you're in the world series. You get the bat, you could be the, you know, the guy that hits the walk off. Like you got such an opportunity in this moment to be in the world series and just take advantage of it. And then all of a sudden, Bo, Bo does what Bo does and goes off for the rest of the tournament. But um, it was just awesome. You know, the, the, the memories I was thinking back to, um, you know, as both of you guys were talking through the, through both of your guys' personal experiences for sure. Absolutely. I think that's something that we should ask ourselves every day, fellas. You know, you have to set aside. This is part of my routine. You know, every morning I wake up and I ask myself a set of questions. Uh, I'll give them to you right now. Ask myself, what am I happy about my life right now? You know, what about that makes me feel happy? And then how does that make me feel? And then I ask myself, what am I excited about in my life right now? What about that makes me excited? How does that make me feel? And then I ask myself, what am I grateful about in my life right now? What about that makes me grateful? And how does that make me feel? And then the things that I'm committed to in my life right now, what, what about that makes me committed? And how does that make me feel? And then the people I love in my life, the people I appreciate in my life, and the people who appreciate me. And then, what are my five most important goals? What can I do today to achieve those goals? You know, when we talk about being grateful, I think that's something we should ask ourselves every single day because sometimes it's easy to forget the things that we're truly, truly grateful for. And I, you know, I can see it right now. You two are, are, are truly grateful for each other, man, because you guys are running this awesome podcast. And, and, and we have to be able to remember those things because you never know when things are going to change. We have to be able to put these things down and then address those things. So every, every second Sunday of every month, you know, I make sure I reach out to all the people that I'm grateful for and, and I thank them. Um, and, and I just, you know, I just reach out and reconnect with them because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in your own world uh, and, and forget about, you know, the people who helped you to get to where you are. You know, so, and that's just with people. I'm talking about the things you're grateful for, the people you're grateful for, the opportunities you're grateful for, all those things. I think it's, I think it's extremely important that we reconnect with those every single day so we're able to align ourselves with our purpose. I like that. I love it. No, thanks for sharing those questions with me. I mean, similar routine, but again, you asked specific questions. I mean, one thing that uh, you know, I've talked to Bo about before too, is, you know, like every single night before, you know, I go to bed, obviously, you know, I, I get on my knees and say my prayers to the man upstairs. And I, I tell him again, I think about, 
I, I pray for my players, you know, by name. I pray for, you know, people in my life, you know, by name. And, and it seems like every single night, because I'm constantly thinking about what I'm grateful for, that that prayer gets longer and longer and longer. Um, and then also a thing, how I, how I start my day is um, I, I was, I was listening to, I forgot who was who, one of the speaker I was listening to, but he, he challenged that every time that we get in the shower in the morning that we, the, he calls them showers of uh, think it was like, showers of thanksgiving or showers of, of like thankful showers and so every single morning when you're in the shower you just think about all the things that you're thankful for and just sit there the, you know the, the whole time you're going through your routine just thinking about everything that you're thankful for so ba- very similar to again what the things you go through but i you know i, I told someone to do that the other day because I'm, I'm telling them like man that changed my perspective so much and um a lot of times in players you know we were in game the other day we had a we had a sophomore that ca- got called up the varsity and it's his first day on varsity and we're sitting on the bus and this kid is sweating bullets, Damon. He's sweating bullets. He's sweating bullets. My first day on varsity. He's like, he comes, sits, he comes and sits next to me on the bus and he's like, he's like, coach, you put all your chips in me and I feel all this pressure. And he's like freaking out. I'm like, I'm like, man, just listen. Like if you're, if you're going into this situation and instead of thinking about all these reasons why you need to perform, you know, think about all the reasons like you're thankful that you're even here and you have the opportunity to perform. And I was like, you know, uh, a big perspective switch to me is just like thinking about a lot of these, you know, people that are like living over in Cuba and everything they got to do to come over here and just play baseball. I mean, um, I heard this story and I told this to the guys the other day. I said, man, like, you know what some of these guys have to do to come over here and play in America to play to play baseball? This one guy was saying um, he was he actually came over here uh, from Cuba and played baseball. And he thought that he had the toughest story. Uh, You know, these guys coming over here on rafts with sharks and, you know, their their buddies and everything like dying on boats with them on the way over here. But he said he met a guy and he was talking um, he's talking about his 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 way over here from Cuba. And he said that um, to get over here that um, the first thing he had to do just to, just to even get the opportunity to leave the city that he was living in, that he had his, I told the boys, I was like, imagine having a wife, you've been with her for, you know, over 20 years. And just to have an opportunity for something greater, you got to let her go out and sleep with 10 other men. And then that gets you out of the city. And then you have to go through the jungle for over a day, just going through the jungle to get to the beach. And then when you get to the beach, you get to the beach, you get on a, on a, a life raft that's you know not a real life raft that we think of, but something that they just threw together. Then you have to go across the water. And the whole time you're going there with all your buddies that just went through all this with you, guys are dying right there on the boat. You can't throw them overboard because then all the sharks will come and then you're risking your own life. And then you finally get here and you still have absolutely nothing and you're starting from the ground zero. you know. And I was like, if you take that of what people are willing to give just to have the opportunity that you have today and you just have that opportunity to come out here, like all these people that have died and, and shed blood and, and, and lost all these things just so that you can have the opportunity. And I was like, what pressure do you feel today? You know, like you got, you guys got to get on a raft and go across the ocean with sharks and, and dead bodies in your guys raft. Do you have to give away your wife to 10 other men before you guys get to play today? Do you guys have to do any of these things or do you guys just get to show up today? And if you go for four, you still get to go home, sit in your nice house, still get to eat dinner tonight. Like you guys put way too much pressure on yourselves. And I was like, we're out here to play baseball, man. And if you get, if you're in a, if you're in a mindset of perspective of being thankful instead of being um, in this mindset of thinking about all these things that you need to do, it's like you get to do these things and you have, you, you know, you have, you live a life of privilege. Everybody here in America lives a life of privilege and uh, just, you know, reflecting on that daily and those questions. I think those questions that you ask yourself are, you know, really powerful and it's a great way to start your day. Um, definitely on a positive note. Um, and it's just a big, powerful message, but um, just interesting perspective, man. I love it. Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Love that story too. Story right there. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually. Hey, I, I heard don't it. get Joey going. We'll be talking <laughs> for another two or three hours. <laughs> no, yeah, man, I love. I love all those, especially other other countries, and uh, you know what people have to go through to get to America. I love listening to that stuff. It just makes me, you know, understand again how privileged I am. Because again, it's so easy to lose perspective for sure. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. E plus P equals O. Never forget that. E plus P equals O. Event plus perspective. Yep. equals the outcome, man. Absolutely. So, Diamond, like, like we've mentioned several times, um, you're in a unique uh, situation there at Wright State. What is your end goal when it comes to mental coaching in baseball? The end goal, I get asked this a lot. Always, uh, it's, it's tough because 
um, I can see myself doing um, doing a lot of different things and, and being very, very successful at each one of them. Uh, one of those things is um, being a you know a head peak performance coach uh, for professional teams where I have my own teams and I kind of create the uh, the programs and the protocols for the middle side of the game. Um, and I can also see myself being a uh, being a college head coach one day uh, because I feel like that is the that would put me in a position to have the most impact with the mental side of the game. And, you know, me believing that the mental side of the game is the most important piece to the puzzle, um, that would be probably the best way to impact the team, if that makes sense. Um, and then myself continuing to do this, being on a, being on a, uh, being on a division one staff as, as a mental game coach. Um, and then I can see myself running my own business. You know, I have my own consultants that work with different teams around the country, and I've thought about all these different kinds of things. It's just a matter of me choosing <laughs> choosing one path and then committing to it and then uh, doing all the work that, that it'll take in order to do so. But right now I do. Uh, I am in the process of uh, writing uh, writing a book on the mental side of the game. And right now it's just the hitters. I was just hitting, but, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be able to continue to push those kind of things out, you know, when the time is right, obviously, um, and when I'm finished with these. Because it's tough being, um, you know, being able to do a little bit of that every single day while I'm on staff at Wright State. But I, I have that set set aside every day um, on my calendar as well to put in, you know, 30 minutes to an hour on uh, chipping away at this book. And I'm pretty far right now. i got a few hundred pages. It's just a matter of, you know, when I hone everything down and um, get everything set in order in order for me to push this out to the baseball world. So, so yeah. That's awesome. Well, Joey and I have no doubt that you'll excel at kind of whatever route you want to go. So, as always here, we, we kind of always try to um, get you in contact with people. If, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you about anything we've talked about or, you know, maybe reach out to you as far as mental side, what's the best way people can get in contact with you? Um, so the best way people can get in contact with me is probably through my DMs on Twitter because, I mean, it's, I told you guys I set aside every single day. I'm setting aside 30 minutes to, to respond to everybody. And then through my website as well. And if you want a phone call, usually I charge, you know, $60 per phone call to be able to, you know, 30 minutes to be able to bounce ideas off back and forth. And it's kind of a consultation type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do individual group sessions over FaceTime, Skype, um, all kinds of things. So um, but the best way to reach out to me for any of those things and speaking engagements as well would be through Twitter um, or Instagram, Facebook, or my website. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll include, we'll include your, your handle on uh, the, the show notes for this one as well, so uh, just so people can get in contact with you. But, no, we, man, we really appreciate you jumping on with us and sharing some perspectives and sharing some applicable ways that we can apply these things to our practices and, and for coaches and, you know, players and everybody that's listening out. So we appreciate you setting some, uh, some, t- some time aside for us. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Damon brought some good perspective. This call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Diamond really touched on some great points when it comes to the mental side of baseball. What was your biggest takeaway, Joey? I think my biggest takeaway is always the importance of reflecting on experience. Um, I, you know, one thing that I like to do and, and one thing similar to what Diamond likes to do is one thing I like to do is ask uh, players after the game. I always ask them, you know, what did you learn and what did you love? Um, it gives them an opportunity to reflect and be grateful for the experience that they just had and also reflect on what they can do better next time. Um, and I think that's just so important that we want to continue to grow and progress, that we continue to reflect on our experiences. How about you, Bo? That's good stuff. My my biggest takeaway was enjoying the moment and the importance of breathing that plays into that. When I look back and examine my career, this was the biggest um, realization that allowed me to go to that next step. For three years, I kind of got caught up in those moments and found myself shying away from the pressure. And when I finally chose to realize I'm in that moment for a reason, it really freed me freed me up and brought those abilities out. And my breathing routine played a big role in that. I think being able to have control over your breathing really allows you to enjoy that moment. So that was yeah. the biggest one for me. 
Yeah, just like Alan Jager says, be in the breath, be in the moment. Yeah, I love the breathing. So guys, as always, I, we really appreciate everything that you guys done for us. We really appreciate you guys sharing and um, we really in affecting other people. And I, we, we've been getting a lot of good responses to how this, the, how the show has been impacting people. And um, we just really appreciate you guys is to continue to send these things, these episodes out. Maybe someone needs to hear this message. Maybe someone's getting caught up in those moments. Maybe some of the people aren't being grateful, don't understand that perspective. And uh, this is a great episode for that. So if you know anybody that this could help, you know, a young coach or, you know, a, a player or anybody, uh, one of your friends, uh, maybe it's someone that's outside of baseball. I have some friends that are outside of baseball that really pull a lot of business things from this, uh, these podcasts. So if you guys think that any of this could really affect anybody that you know or add value to anybody, uh, absolutely share and, and always get get to us. Let us know anything that we can do to help you guys, any requests that you guys have. But until next time, Farm System out. Ah!